good to be with you this morning to worship with you. And now we're going to turn our attention to God's word. We are going to take a little uh, diversion from our uh, work through the Gospel of John. And you can find me today in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So if you want to get a pew Bible out or you brought one bonus points or it'll be on the screen. The reason for this diversion is really because we're kicking off the fall, right? And so uh, maybe your life's like mine. Yesterday I had a soccer game and then we did a wedding and then we did another soccer game. Then we went to the comic book store. So it was quite a day. And uh, we're getting into our new routines for the fall, no matter what version of uh, life we have. And so this is a reflection with that spirit in mind from 2 Corinthians. And so hear these words uh, from the Apostle Paul. He writes this. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, Dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Lord Jesus, I ask that uh, you would be with us now, Lord, as we want to see your work. We want to see what you are up to in our midst. In this service, Lord, as you're present here in our time together, and also as we reflect on what happened this past week, and Lord, as we look forward to who we want to be this fall, help us to see you. Focus our attention on you. And Lord, would you also help us to hear you? Give us listening ears that we might know your voice above every voice. That we might know when it is you who is calling. That we might be able to respond in faithfulness to what you might say. 
In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're just going to work through the scripture that I just read and take chunks of the verses together. In order to help me do that, let me give you just a small little background information on 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul actually wrote four letters to this church in Corinth that he started. He planted the church and then he had to leave to go on to some other uh, works and missionary journeys. And as he did this, he would get reports back uh, about how this church that he loved was doing. They didn't always uh, come back with good reports about what was happening. There was a lot of fracturing and infighting and following of different strong teaching personalities. You know, things have changed so much in the church, right? It's kind of amazing. Uh, and, and so there's these letters that go back, and Paul actually wrote uh, the, the letter we have, which is 1 Corinthians, in order to address some theological issues that were going on, just give some best practices and wisdom. And, and yet, guess what? Even the Apostle Paul didn't have great success with this letter. And so uh, he sent Timothy out to try and do some stuff, and then Timothy came back, and still things weren't going that well. So it actually says uh, in 2 Corinthians that Paul made a journey out to visit this church. And even Paul in person, not just a letter, but Paul in person to this church that he planted, he says that this was a really painful experience. His visit did not go well, and they, they kind of uh, made little of him, even though he founded the church and they had found other teachers that they liked better. And yet Paul wouldn't give up on this church. He still had a heart to love this church that was struggling and going through things. He wanted to see it flourish. And so in 2 Corinthians, he's continuing to teach them. And he had just gotten a good report from Titus that actually out of some his third letter that things are getting a little better. And so he's trying to spur them on to get even healthier. And so that's kind of where we find our teaching today from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And did you hear these words, right? Right at the beginning of this chapter, he says, as God's co-workers. And that's what I want to ask a big question for you today out of this opening verse. How are we going to co-work with Christ this year? How are you going to co-work with Christ this year. That's my invitation to you, to be a co-laborer with Christ in what we do here at church, but in everything that you do. This is an invitation and a declaration that you can work with Christ Jesus in everything that you do. In all that you do, you can do that work with Jesus. And Sometimes we may think, you know, when we go about our days and reflect on ourselves, that it would, wouldn't it be nice if Jesus did all the work? You know, like if we just had Jesus, we could just send Jesus into the issues of our time, into, into work for us to clock in and clock out and get it all done. He'd probably do it better than us, and so we think he should uh, be the one who, who gets sent for us. But becoming a parent, you realize there's something to this that, that, that could give you a little unique vantage point as you become a parent and you see what happens when somebody does everything for you, right? Like when you, when you have a little baby, 
That's really that time where as a parent, you go from being your selfish self that only cared about yourself to now all of a sudden you have this little being that can't do anything for themselves, right? And so your job now, mom's job now, is to go and to take care of every need, right? There's, there's nothing the baby can do for themselves, so we, tr we have to relearn again how to do everything for somebody else. Well, that works for a little while, right? We learn this new skill, but then they grow up. And eventually you end up going to uh, that little baby who's now a little bit older and you're trying to put her in her car seat and you're trying to buckle the seat because you gotta get to where you're going and she gets so mad at you like Miss Bossy Pants, like, oh no you don't. I could do that myself, right? And there all of a sudden is this new thing that happens where it's like, oh, this is an autonomous being. This is some other person that wants to do things, right? And so now I have to get out of the way and I have to learn again, how do I empower this being to do the things that they need to do to navigate the world? The other day we were at grandma's house and uh, a shelf just broke. It was too full of cans and it broke and it fell all the way down. It came crashing and everyone was frustrated and upset and and then I watched my two kids in a good moment, a brag to that, about them for one second, right? They wanted to help grandma out because it was going to be hard for her to get all the cans out. So Remy went in and he, he was able to get into the cabinet in a way only small children can. And then he was able to make an assembly line with glory. We didn't want to leave her out. And so they passed the cans to each other. We put them on the counter. And can you imagine if I just came in and I said to them, guys, I'm gonna do this better than you. I'll do it faster and more efficient than you can do it. So why don't you guys go play? No, they wanted to be dignified with the work, right? And this is what Paul is revealing to this church is that even with all the messiness, even with all the mistakes, even though they had hurt him, that they are actually co-laborers with Christ Jesus. So we might just ask the question, what happens when we invite Jesus to be our co-laborer or he invites us to be co-laborers with him, more better to say? The first thing that we discover, and we can look at Paul's life, our life won't be exactly like Paul's life, but I think there's some principles in the description of what Paul's giving us here in the second part that will reveal some things about if we do make this choice, what could possibly happen. So did you, did you catch what's going on with Paul in this section? I mean, this doesn't look like safe stuff, right? Like what he is actually dealing with, he's dealing with riots, he's dealing with hardships, He's dealing with bad reports. He's dealing with all kinds of disruption, right? Troubles that he's experiencing, taking him to the very brink and end of himself. And so just to kind of get a first principle, I think one of the things that you'll find, this is an important one for us, church, in our current context to pay attention to, when it comes to making the decision to work with Jesus is that the gospel is not domesticated. Okay, that the gospel 
is wild. And as time goes on within the church, it is always a great temptation of the church to make God a nice, packageable, serviceable, comfortable version that's palatable for us. But just to help me illustrate the point, let me share a couple pictures of one of my favorite stories from the summer. I think we have it. We got some pictures here. Okay. This is the most famous otter in all of California. It's otter 841. Maybe you know this story. This otter, she is famous because she's been going up to surfers for the past two years and stealing their surfboards. And she will not be caught. So she's been labeled as dangerous. She is notorious. She's been in the news. But she refuses to be captured by the, the fish and wildlife people that are trying to take her down. And there's just something about this outlaw otter from Santa Cruz that I love. Uh, she is wild, and she wants to remain wild, right? That is what she was made to do and to become. And we have a couple more pictures just for fun. She became a surfer, right? That's the reality of the situation. And then that, this got so far down the road that actually that you can buy a pillow with uh, Otter 841 surfing on there. Amazing. This is my kind of hero, all right? And I show you all of this just to remind you, right, that there is a reality to the fact that our faith is meant to be taken out into the wild, that it is a faith that is designed to be out there. And so we... When we work with Jesus, when we say, I want to co-labor with Jesus, we're making this commitment to say, it may not always be free of confrontation, right? It may not always be free of disruption. That's what we saw Paul describing to us. But one of my favorite illustrations, you know it, maybe if you're a Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe fan, but it is a good thing to be constantly reminded of, right, is when Susan and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is talking to the beaver, and she's learning about everything that's going on in Narnia. Eventually, the character of Aslan, who represents God, is introduced into the story, and this is the exchange that Susan has with the beaver. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall fear rather nervous meeting a lion. Safe, Mr. Beaver? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see, Jesus is a threat to the darkness. When you join up with Jesus and you co-labor with Jesus, you become a threat to the darkness. You become dangerous like Jesus is dangerous. And we know that because whenever we start shining the light and experiencing the light, we know it's a threat to the things in us that need to be threatened and yet we're afraid for them to be seen and known and forgiven and loved and healed. 
And so that's, that's a first point. As you co-labor, would you be ready to be a threat to the darkness as you join with Jesus in your work? And as we just continue here, hear these verses. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. That if you are going to become a threat, there is an equipping that's taking place. That these are the graces that Paul is describing These are the graces that Paul is describing of what will be given to those who have chosen to co-labor with Christ. Another picture just for fun. While this was happening in Santa Cruz, California with this otter up north, hey kiddos, there was another wild animal that was getting busy as well. And so I want to show you this picture. This is up in coastal Oregon where there is uh, uh, this big haystack rock. It's a famous, you've seen the movie Goonies. It's this really beautiful part in coastal Oregon where this rock exists. And this is what happened in July this year. A cougar came down from the mountains. And depending on the tides, that rock is deeper in the water and swam to haystack rock. Okay, and then this is the final picture we have. Oh, no, do we have one more? That's all we got. There it is. Okay, so this is that cougar on Haystack Rock looking as fierce as any animal has ever looked in their entire life, right? And I just want to say that if you co-labor with Jesus Christ, that there will be an equipping, right? There will be a strengthening that happens that you will be with the one who is the firm foundation, who is the solid rock, and you will have the strength of the cougar, the fierceness of the cougar on Haystack Rock, who's in charge of it all, who is stronger than anybody else, who shut down the whole beach so no one could get near it, right? And so there's a way by which when you face the things you face this year, you're invited to look at them anew when you do it with Jesus, that Jesus can give you the strength that you need, the equipping that you need, the righteousness on your right and your left that you will need, the love that you will need, the grace of God will get you through. Okay, and then finally, here are these last part of the section. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making everyone rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Like if you can think of your year this year and just define it by the success that Paul is talking about here, it may look a little different, right? Our, our culture is obsessed with making the externals look really good. Doing whatever we can. In human history, we have never had more, right? And yet, where's our gratitude levels? For having more than any other human beings have ever had, and yet our gratitude levels are extremely low. And perhaps it's because we're playing the wrong game. 
that we're trying to make the externals and we're looking at the externals and we're playing that game and saying, what if, how do I keep up with that? And yet, when we see Paul co-laboring with Jesus, it completely inverts itself. His external world could look great, good report, bad report. Whatever it is, there's joy that's happening. There is a joy that comes from having an inner world that is strong. From pursuing the things that only Jesus can give as we do the work together. And this is what's possible, right? Can you imagine, can you imagine somebody bragging about making other people rich? When have you met that person? That they're like, hey, I'm poor, but I'll make you rich. Like, that just doesn't, that's not a thing, I don't think, except for Paul. But even more so, having nothing, but possessing everything. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Meaning, when I'm with Jesus, I could have nothing in the external world, but because I'm with Jesus, I have everything Jesus has. I have everything that Jesus has, everything that he owns, everything that he cares about. I possess it because Jesus possesses it. So my encouragement to you as you think about this fall is to remember that you are strong because Jesus is strong that you are free because Jesus is free, and that you have everything you need to do what you need to do this fall because Jesus has everything you need to do what you need to do this fall. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be with you, to know you, and we pray that you would now make us your co-workers, your co-leaders as we Do your work, Lord, as we are your hands and feet, Lord Jesus, as we uh, come together as a church to be your representatives uh, in this community and the places uh, uh, that we intersect with. Lord, just would you remind us we are with you in all that we do. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.